beatniks, bum trips, bullshh. This is the librarian's notebook. A conversation between two librarians, Jedediah and Ariel Grace Dragon. It's summertime, August 3rd. It's hot outside. The door and the windows are open and the heat is coming on. I'm all hyped up on Walt Whitman writing poetry on his knee and America that would come from that in Liberty. And Ariel Grace is giving it to me straight the way that she does in a practicality that comes with leather jackets and tucking your shirt into jeans and wearing cowboy boots the way that she does. As we chat, a patron walks through the open door into the library and on her shoulder is a seed floating, a wish, a wild thistle, an artichoke seed floating through the air like a fairy or a soul that comes in her jet stream. And I think about who is following who? Is the wish following her or she following the wish? And where do we go with our destinies and how our thoughts bring us forward? And it seems so important to me then. And now saying it out loud, it's fucking whimsical. It's whimsical. All right, that's what it is. I was trying to get gathered on this because it's wintertime now, but I guess the internet is timeless and listening to what had been recorded in the intro that I had made. Honestly, I kind of don't get it. And I don't mean for it to be vague. I'm always trying to be thorough and make a through line tapestry of the things that we had talked about in a poetic form to sort of pre-vamp. But a lot of times I'm just hyped up on words and experiences and I get especially hyped in the library because there's racks on racks of words and experiences and card catalogs and it's just all coming through my brain is getting bb shots scattered in the most beautiful way constellations of thought librarian's notebook so, august three a free form american summer in your hand summer in the van summer in the free form american summer a wish follows in a wish follows her in a wish follows her in in her jet stream i ask her what that means she says that's the story of my life whirly birds Flutterers, spinners, cotton seeds, ubiquitous tumbleweeds, daffodilia progression. A wish follows in her jet stream. A mature head of wild thistle, plumous hairs airborne, follow her into the library. Propagation and land on the open dictionary on atavistic, relating or characterized by reverting to something ancient or ancestral. A wish follows in her jet stream. Swan plants, dandelions, cottonwood, feathery bristles carried long distances, a daffodilian progression, a wish follows in her jet stream, and I am wondering what it is at this moment, what it is, as if ultimate intelligence of the universe is communicating, and I want to assemble a crew to communicate back, back, all the way back to ultimate intelligence, to ideals, to root words, to first kisses, to chlorophyll and chlorophast blasting from the sun in light waves across space displayed on spider webs glistening and insect instincts through exoskeletons built 
into them by their daddy's 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 daddy telling the tragedy the joke the mundane yet now i feel i'm too smeared like butter on a hot highway with post-it notes and flash cards and books spread across the librarian's desk including the word quixotic exceedingly idealistic or unrealistic or impractical also the word blithe blithe in a way that shows a casual and cheerful indifference considered to be callous or improper i am blithe in my understanding of the american summer that if you're living off of big screens and french fries dipped in milkshakes you definitely have a cheerful indifference and I'm also popping with pop culture and I'm trying to understand how it all connects in a way that uh, is quixotic, exceedingly idealistic, unrealistic and impractical. And I'm trying to assemble a team to decode this impracticality of ultimate intelligence communicating through actions. Yet here I am. And if the library is a temple and a temple is a place to refine your communication with the divine, then fine, there it is, it happened. I didn't know these words and these words were exactly what I am and maybe what I needed to know in my description of an American summer. I am blithe, I have a cheerful indifference to espionage and foreign governments and conquest of our own people and sabotage in the ecosystem. Yet I'm open to little Richard calling me back into a small town with a library and a river out the back yelling, sing me, Teddy. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready, Teddy. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. And some DNA is irresistible. Some DNA is irresistible. The odds are in our favor with the three ands, hard and fast and often. It's not really the end of the world. It's the beginning of reality. Walt Whitman would not write often. Walt would walk, enamored with the presence of God and crickets, and sing back in undertones, inserting sound like echoes. He would walk and walk and walk, and when he had absorbed the truth the best he could, he would echo it back, and he wrote with his paper on his left knee, poetry written on your own service. Some DNA is irresistible. And it doesn't have to start now, but it is rolling. Doesn't mean it's starting now. It just means, hey, yeah. there is a thing. Which also, too, we don't have to roll. It looks like. We can? No, okay. We can? Yeah. Okay. By the way, I was looking at necklace. That's kind of cool. Right? Tyrannosaurus wreck bones. Wow. Yeah, spread out in gold. Miniaturized in gold. I imagine you couldn't wear the full size Tyrannosaurus rex bones around your neck. <laughs> oh, but if you could, if you could. Yeah, size on the planet has been in so many different scales. There's this idea that for us to survive in the future as a species, we will need to miniaturize to the point that we can all survive, like, or at least a dozen of us survive off of a blackberry for a week. Like, if we were all five inches tall, how many blackberries would it take to feed a dozen of us? and just plummeting your head into like the big old bulbous parts of it, the little like uh, clusters. I wish I'd been there to see this. My partner was there 
There was a blue jay that was mimicking a hawk. Yeah. And a red-tailed hawk came up and landed on the building behind the tree, behind the blue jay. And so the blue jay is making this hawk call just incessantly, trying to scare away other birds and squirrels from where it wants to feed and where it wants to call the rest of the flock to feed. <laughs> My partner says that the, blue, that the uh, red-tailed hawk sitting on the roof of the building looking at the blue jay, gave a call, and he says the blue jay flew straight up in the air, made a 180 degree turn, saw the hawk, and was just gone. Didn't come back for the rest of the day. I can imagine the hawk sitting there all smug, thinking, my work here is done. <laughs> it was just, just made the one call, and then the blue jay went up just to see what the, it was? The bird, the, Blue, blue Jay's facing this way, and the hawk's landed on the roof, and he's facing the Blue Jay. Blue Jay's facing away from the hawk. Oh, yeah. The blue Jay's going, you know, calling like the hawk, you know, call, call, call. Oh. And then the hawk behind him goes, answers with, call! And, and Blue, blue, Day, jay, blue jay, jay jumps and turns around and looks like a... <laughs> And I, yeah, and I could just see this this oh so smug red tail hawk going. Well, my work here is done. <laughs> I found it atavistic. A t a v i s, atavism, Re- resemblance to a remote ancestor in some characteristic which near ancestors do not have. Atavist. That's atavistum. Uh, reversion to a primitive type. Or of fear, usually atavism, ativiz. Atavistic, due to atavism, tending to atavism, atavis. A person characterized by atav. Yeah, but what atavism is in usually medicine. Usually, it's when you're talking about atavistic fear, you're talking about something that. In a descendant of an abnormally or disease or of an ancestor. A very prim- a, a primitive fear. A thing that we're all afraid of, for example, is being buried alive, or being um, suffocated, being in a in a place where all this, where there's no air to breathe. That's that's a lot of people get this feeling. It's 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 panic. Yeah, it's clawing at you, and and you know you you've got to keep it in. You got to function. Either that, or I've been using it wrong for decades. <laughs> No, I mean, that's what it's saying here. It, it, a recurrence into descendant or abnormally into disease and ancestor. Like, that's the feeling. It's like yeah. a reoccurring primal, like something that's deep in you yeah. that you might not even know where it's coming from. Like, you might not be sure when it started because it could have started before you were born. But it's something that's within everybody that, you know, we try to keep control of. It's it. You know, do you do you stand up to a fight, or do you, you know, or or are you just too flipped out to do anything? Well, when Godzilla walks down the street, what do you do? I don't know about you, but I go get guns. Um, <laughs> that's that's me. You know. Well, but yeah, no, I'm fucking running for the parking lot. What do you mean you go get guns from Godzilla? Um, well, I'm going. I might run, but it's going to be run towards weapons. <laughs> and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to see what I can't do about stopping this critter. Yeah, yeah, you got such a sense of getting things done. You're not passive, by no means. No, I can't. You, you I activate can on the world. Be. 
<laughs> you activate on the world. <laughs> I've been watching a Godzilla movie this summer. They got Godzilla in uh, the Hollow Earth, and in the Hollow Earth. In the hollow Earth. Yeah, you know the Hollow Earth. In the Hollow Earth theory, I do. Yeah. Yeah, they got King Kong. Uh, swimming across the Atlantic Ocean up to Antarctica for, to the entrance of the Hollow Earth to enter it to find uh, something, just, I don't know, there's something that King, or that uh, Godzilla is, like, likes in there. Like a yeah. food or a power crystal or a source of vitality. They're both very large, dominant creatures and, and nothing... They're either going to have to battle it out and, ha and stake out their own territories or kill one another in the process. Is that what the movie's about? Yes. They don't say it like that, and there's uh, a lot more chances for people to be... No, they don't say it like that, but that is exactly what the movie's about. It's them eking out space with each other. Figuring out dominance. Yeah. So much of the movie, I guess, is the... The, like the the love stories and the chances for people to be heroes and the kind of humor involved and just sort of spectacle of awe and terror as you're trying to navigate what's going on with these huge creatures and then like the CIA espionage version of how we've been interacting with them and how we're trying to put together some sort of plan to enter into the center of the earth and put a stop to it and how freaky and wild that is to be going on that journey. But really what it's about is uh, two creatures just asserting dominance, because that's what the whole, that's the problem. Yeah, asserting dominance has been, okay, so it's, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what species you are. I mean, every species has a pecking order. Oh. And that's what the dominance thing is. You got a pecking order in, in vocals? Because I, I want to say immediately, not everybody has a pecking order on the planet. But I guess we're not all just species. Well, you got a pecking in order vocalism, in vocalism. When you're, when you're singing, you've always got people that want to be the soloists because they want to be the best. And as far as they're concerned, they are, whether it's true or not. Um, but the voice knows. The voice knows who's the best. The ears know who's the yeah. best. The crowd knows. Yeah. You know, if someone would have been a better, if they've ever heard some heard another person in that same group singing solo, they know who's gonna who the better of the two is. Yeah. And they do that by feel. Like you can't really fake it that much. Yeah. Even with like a bit of pizzazz, a bit of pizzazz, the strobe light ain't gonna take you through it. The sparkle. I'll tell you what, singing is, uh, I think, one of the best things in the world that we can do for ourselves. I think that it, it, when you sing, you're, you're basically telling a story, you're giving information, and you want the person, you want to move the person. And if you're not moving the person, it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah. If you're not moving the person, it's just, might as well just paint it up on a billboard, here's the information. Yeah. Might as well paint it up on a billboard, because this is just the information. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why rock and roll singers aren't always the best, but they're often so moving. Mm -hmm. That's why rap music is like moving to people, and they're not even singing. It's phrasing. Phrasing? It's the phrasing. Rap is almost the logical extension of scat in jazz. Oh. And there you were with just a little, almost a little bit of beatbox right there. Yeah, yeah. So what is scatting then? Scat, I mean, scatting is, is skipping the stone across the... Scatting, I don't know, I don't know if I necessarily voice. know any, um, any jazz standards that I could scat in. What does it feel like emotionally when people are scatting? Like, they're trying to just push across the, the filling, music? They're filling some space with, with, with sound. Um, you know, maybe doing, you know, like you were doing, you know, a wop ba blue bam a wop bam boo. Now, yeah. um, in another setting, if you were to put that in to an, an, an instrumental interlude, that would be scat. Oh, it's an instrumental interlude. It's it's but a. But with the voice, it's it is the music. It's the music, and it's the voice, almost a freeform voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just overlaid on. An instrumental background. A freeform voice overlaid on an instrumental background. And that freeform voice plays in the same it plays in the same arena as like a guitar solo yeah. or even a drum solo or the bass hitting through. It's just they're hitting these coordinates of where the notes can be and how long they can yes. be. And then that is I mean, is that is that's music, right? Yeah. <laughs> music is is music and mathematics are probably well. First of all, they're almost the same thing. But secondly, yo, they are probably the things that are uh, going to be down from one planet to another to another. Oh, the space opera. And we could say that music of the spheres, for example. Okay, so I was picturing music being played on from one planet to another through like an intergalactic concert-going voyage. That would be neat. But you're saying music of the spheres. Oh, it's just something you reminded me of. And music of the spheres is uh, that music is across all planets, and that it would. Oh, we got a wish landing right here. Wow, I think it followed her in. I do think that it followed her in. Let's see, what are those words that it landed on? It landed on uh, Atavaic, a remote of remote ancestor. Atarexic. Ataraxia. Ataraxia. This wish, um, this bit of, of, of plant, 
pollen. This collection from probably those purple thistles that lift off into the sky. Just followed us in and landed in the middle yeah. of the dictionary. Let's not have any emergencies outside there today. I don't feel like running out there and... Well, now it's taking off from my palm and continuing up and on. <laughs> Get it. Get it. Maybe it's looking for a book. Maybe it's looking for a book. Yeah. Been running this thing called Psi Operations. Psi, uh -huh. S-C-I. Psi uh -huh. Operations is like a direct contact from the unified field of all intelligence. And it's a Psi Operation when that field of intelligence enters into our reality, into our scenery, into our happening or actions in a real direct way. So a psi investigator is looking at that, uh, at that bit of flower stuff as it floated in, uh -huh. and just questioning if when it's landing in the center of the open open dictionary. What kind it, of intent did it have? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have a theory. What's that? that it may have been following the woman that has just entered the library. Well, that's neat. A wish trying to catch up with the person it wants to bestow itself to. Because it did come in on her momentum. Yeah. It was it was the person's momentum creating like a funnel, a backdraft, a backdraft. To suck it in, yeah. Because if we are half spirit, like if we were born of, if we're born of spirit, of, of light father, and we're born of earth, physical mother, then like we would have these physical bodies and we would be eating and have bones made of minerals, but we would also have at least, I don't know, 36% spirit stuff. And that spirit stuff would be just as active in everything else that we're doing. And it would probably start to follow us in the forms of like pollen. <laughs> pollen and sunshine and other subtle things. Have you ever gotten your breath subtle to the point that you can enter into things finer tuned than the breath? I haven't, but I've been reading about it this week in the Golden Flower book. Oh, that uh, hardcover that came in last week that that woman donated. Yeah. Yeah. The golden flower. I've spent the week getting into this.
The interpretation of the following translations is of value to say a few words about the foundations of... Check out this word. I couldn't pronounce this. The German word or the word philosophy just uh, below it? Uh, it's a German word? I guess I didn't even know if it was a German word. That's German. It's German. Mm -hmm. I thought it was possibly mm -hmm. Chinese. Mm -hmm. But this no. is the Carl Jung commentary on it, so of course oh, yeah, it would then yeah. be in German. Um. Willkommen, Xiaowong. I would really want to go through a translator. Oh yeah, you had told me about that. Jay says I got to start using my own tech. I don't remember enough German to break that down into its roots. German is a very kind of a complex language because what they'll do is they'll take and they'll they'll just start putting roots together until it means till the word means what they need it to mean. What is a root? In? The root a root word a root word. Yeah. A root word. Oh, like the the foundational part of the word, and yeah. then you start adding all the uh, other yeah. parts the, on. Yeah, then you add parts on that denote time, you know, past or future tense, um, positive or negative. Um, all these additions to the concept that just but sort if of you take all those, through. if you take any other trend, if you take anything, off, everything off except for the just the specific meaning the root and you just keep sticking roots together with the, your connecting vowel or whatever your language calls on you to use um, you can eventually build the word to mean what you need it to mean both are doing more and more what many languages I think probably it could be said what most languages are doing nowadays is using the um, current word as it has been, as it has come up, as it has come out, you know. We're not trying to figure out how so much to say television in Chinese because there really is no analog there. There's no analogy to television. So you might as well just, you know, say the word as it comes out probably comes from the Greek, if I were to guess, tele and vision. But I'd have to look it up to be sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this book taught me a, a Greek word last week, metatonia. It's far out. Uh, metatonia. It's, it wasn't in this Meta dictionary. Meta with a T? Metatonia? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't in this magical dictionary. Uh, hmm. And a friend let me know what it means. It's Greek. But along the way, uh, it told me the name of an insect spine. Anyway, I took notes on it. An, in spine? an insect spine. Oh, that's interesting. Because I thought that they didn't have one. Oh, it was, oh, yeah, I'm saying this wrong. It's not a spine, it's a dorsal fin. An insect's dorsal fin. Oh, okay. What do you mean? Insects don't have a. Uh, insects don't have spines. No, they they 
they have uh, shells. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, they, yeah, they, no, they, totally. Skeletons on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a spine then. I just they what do they? It. I've been they so don't. fixed on the spine. The secret of the golden flower is all about circulating energy up and down your spine. Mm -hmm. So all week I've been thinking about the spine and then the nervous system and like making a pump house that's like translating energy up and around like down your tongue and then back again. And so I was thinking, of course, every through mouth, up and then down through the spine, down through the lumbar, and then up through the groin, and then have it comes up across the front of the pelvis, and then up the up your center line, and then back into your mouth. Wow! And back when you touch your tongue to your through your mouth. It's, yeah, yeah, creating that circuit moving it around have you ever gotten to places where you have felt it moving and pumping this way we were talking about this fine breath me and my buddy while we we're sitting on sandstone rock that was covered with moss there i think the times you're going to find that most often will be when you're dancing yes you're making love okay or yeah. if you're going through breathing exercises and yoga yeah which is meant to make energy pump through your body which is why you do positions in, in a certain order. Have you ever felt it through while singing? Yes. Yeah? Yes. There are times when... There are times you just can't help but sing. You know? Oh. I mean, burst out and... I mean... I used to get angry sometimes. I couldn't the parrots were squawking in our house. And I'd complain or I'd yell at the birds or something. And my mother said, you know, only happy animals make noise. Un unthreatened, you know, happy animals make noise. The exception to that is when, when they're in a fight. But you know, asserting dominance right but but when they're when, when they're in a house or in you know in, in a jungle and living harmoniously with each other and they're all out there squawking and singing and they're not feeling threatened they're happy and that made a lot of sense to me. that's beautiful I like that they get they're using energy too it's they're using it's not free like, I like that they're going for it. I like that they feel moved. Like, they wouldn't need to. A lot of things just sit. No, I actually know everything's singing. Even those insects without spines, I bet they're singing in some way, in the sense of this singing being like an extra amount of energy that you're putting into life just for the joy of it. I saw something I've never seen in my life, of course, since they're found in in Indonesia, one wouldn't be surprised. But they called it a dragon's head. What, what it is is just a Katie did oh, that, yeah. that is about the, about the size of the first digit of my thumb. They are big. And this guy was just, he, he was coming in his finger just kind of, kind of, kind of poking at it just a little bit. And he'd, he'd get too close 
and you know how crickets and cicadas make sound they rub their legs and their wings right yeah well he'd get a little close with his finger and it would, it would you know kind of back up and it would chitter at him and he'd pull his hand back and he'd come in another angle and and it would change positions and we and it would you know you know scrape its its wings against its legs and be chittering at him you know, apparently they are um, they are endangered or threatened in their local habitat we, we make a lot of noise out of agitation like a lot of still almost yeah i guess we make noise i don't know if it's singing i'm trying to picture somebody screaming and having it be like singing well i think that secure secure animals and secure people Secure animals and secure people make noise. Make noise. And I think that, and, and I think that's a little bit different than my mother saying happy animal, animals make noise. I think that that you can't you, you can't really feel that happy unless you have some security that allows you to not pay attention to threats that would normally be there and aren't there. So now you can give voice to your to your heart to you know to your life to to the world and say world and here i'm alive you're beautiful yeah you're beautiful I'm yeah you. you're okay i'm okay dig it <laughs> dig it dig it an old phrase from the 1970s i didn't know what i would say i was like well okay if i just start bursting out into song because of my just sense of being okay like, I don't know what to say. Is well, it, you just say, hey, you're beautiful. I'm beautiful. It's okay. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful <laughs> day in the neighborhood. A beautiful yeah. day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are probably some of the first pop songs then is people singing because they're secure and they're singing about the like the beautiful state like the up vibe of the world and then it feels so good though to sing when you're sad now i've never felt music emotionally like this so i'm like entering into this plane all at once it's really interesting i I don't remember little richie's given name other than richard something or other but the um, the rocker yeah the rocker the rocker yeah flamboyant and I can't speak because I know for a fact that I have heard he's gay that he was gay oh yeah oh yeah no um, totally and uh, chubby checker I've heard I, don't, I can't speak to whether it's the truth or not oh then they must have gotten together right I couldn't say because i wasn't That's there i don't know <laughs> doesn't assert dominance with each other i was like when is it king kong and godzilla not assert dominance when they're trying to divide their space it's when they're either making music together or making love because then they can both hit each other as hard and use all their that they can but it's so dynamic then they're like exchanging and moving back and forth uh in a ripple of emotion and effect are, well, like wrestling they're, they're, they're moving energy, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm trying to say. They're trying to um, very literally pound out the the agreement of whose domain is which domain and how much is that domain and does that bite into my domain or does mine bite into your domain and how do we, 
how do we come to a conclusion that leaves us both happy and we don't have to, you know, butt heads? They have to share the same Gita. You got to share the same world. Mm. Gita is, uh, I learned this today. Is it Bhagavad Gita? Is Bhagavad Gita is the song, of, it's a, Gita is song. Mm-hmm. But I forget what Baba was a song for. I just know that Gita was song. It's the song of something, Baba for Gita. There's a story that I really like, and it involves Vishnu and oh, another god and a tyrant king. And the tyrant king manages to get himself into the good graces of, of not, not Krishna, Krishna, not Krishna, but one, one of the other gods. I think his name is Ra- Ravenu. And he, the boon he requested was that he not be that he be almost uh, impervious to harm, that he couldn't be killed by day or by night on the earth or in heaven. A boon is like the deal? A boon is like um, a great favor. A boon is a great favor. It's a a favor which is a present. Um, A favor that is a present. Yeah, it it goes beyond... Oh yeah, I owe you one. It's like, oh yeah, I owe you one. And oh, by the way, here's twenty thousand dollars. Consider receiving. You see what I mean? But what? But what? Ravinu oh, wanted. Oh, great presence. Yeah, it's got that is, that hit, that magnitude. He didn't want to die in the day or the night. This is the hawk, Ravina. No, this is the, the the tyrant king. The tyrant king is asking for this. He doesn't want to die indoors or out. And he does not want to be killed by man nor by beast. Oh, he's just trying to think it all through. Who's he fighting? Well, what eventually happens is his son, who is uh, a follower of Vishnu, he tries to kill his son in in a number of inventive ways. He throws him into a snake pit. He throws him in with, with, you know, a herd of of elephants. You know, various... And the sundry inventive ways of killing his son and Vishnu saves him every time. Yeah. And then one day... How did he get this... How did the tyrant king get the boon? How did he acquire this... You know, it was not in... I was looking in Bhagavad Gita the other day, and it wasn't there. Uh, So it was... I think it's in the other absolute seminal uh, book of... um, of the Hindu tradition. Hindus, thank you. Um, I don't know what this, the, the other seminal book though is. Uh, Bhagavad Gita and uh, Bhagavad Gita, and then there's um, oh. yeah. It, it, it's just not coming to me right now. But he asks his, his son who's teaching about Vishnu's God when 
when the tyrant king is demanding everybody worship him. Yeah. And yet his son is worshiping Vishnu, blue god, you know? Yeah, so he has this boon and he's and made himself into this, like, corrupt power system that yeah. is monopolizing the energy field that allows people to sing and say it's okay. the order of life. Parasitizing the true order of life. Parasitizing the true order of life. Wow. And, wow. Um, he asks his son... That's why you'll never win. You can't do that. No. You can't. You'll so never where, win. Where is your Vishnu? Where is your Vishnu? And the voice is... Where is your Vishnu? Yeah. He's everywhere. And he says, well, is he in the stone column? And the boy says, yes. And he draws yeah. his sword. He says, and watch me kill your god. And he goes to cut yeah, you into gotta, the column. Fucking went sweet out sword swing. Your posture and sword swing is just right on. Out of the column pops a man... What the fuck? Vishnu. As a man-lion. A rad? What is a man-lion? So he's lion? neither man nor beast. Yes. Does he have the head of a lion and the body of a man or the body of a man and the head of a lion? He has the head of a man and the body of a lion. But what he does is he uh, basically <laughs> picks up Vishnu and steps between the doorway at twilight. Yeah. And just shreds him. And then, you know, where's, basically, where's his entrails? And, um, so as jewelry? Where's yeah. his entrails as disco beats? <laughs> where's, where, yeah. yeah. Kind of like if you were going to Mardi Gras. <laughs> wow, wow. Show me your indifference to the order of life, and you get your entrails as beads. Well, what Vishnu does is that by, ta- by being both a man and a lion at the same time, being a man-lion combination, yeah. He's neither man nor beast. He picks him up off the ground and lays him across his knee. He is neither on the ground nor in heaven. When he oh, he's in the twilight of all these places. He steps into a doorway, so he's neither inside nor outside. And at the twilight time, that is neither day nor night and that's when he kills him the Vedas what does that mean? I don't know my phone is charging (laughs) oh the Vedas is the uh, is the other text yeah oh (laughs) I believe it is (laughs) that was a sick drop of a of a mind of a mind pebble for Vedas to come in at that point yeah. after the culmination of the story? Because for me, I was still hanging in the precipice, like, drop zone of the story of being, what does it mean to be able to move through anything in the twilight? Like, uh, you think that you can have a defined set of when you're okay, but there's, it just felt more permeable. It felt as if uh, um, there was things I could walk through. Mm-hmm. Sort of like multi-dimensional space that I'm not really aware of what's going on, but that's where all the rules are happening. That's where you get shredded. Yeah. What do you think that story? What do you uh, think that story th- is trying to teach? You're not God. Yeah. You may possess, you know, the essence of God inside of you, but. I hate to use the phrase 
learn your place or know your place because of how it's been used racially for so many for millennia you know but you're human yeah don't try to be a demigod you're not going to live forever I'm not going to make you you know impervious these are the, these are what you will be you don't want to die you don't, well let's just not make you easy to kill Let's make it a little more complex. But, you know, one God giveth, another God goes, no, I don't know about this. This guy's getting out of hand. (laughs) (laughs) We're probably at the perfect level of complexity in the whole arrangement of all of it. Like the balance of physics and actions with free will and evolution and time and space. Like, it's such a good proportion. It's just right, challenging enough, but also being supportive enough to keep things moving forward and challenged and, like, growing while also being able to sort of hold us and make a nest of crow feathers for us to sit and meditate on. (laughs) How many people do you think get to that point of being like... Oh, I'm going. I'm like the guy went for it. The king was like, "I'm God. I'm gonna just run, run." You're it. all gonna worship me, or you're going to die. You think that we all have that in us, and it's just because he's in his place that he got to act on it? Because I just don't see a lot of people doing that. Not I many think, people are even confident. Is what I I'm coming from. I think that's what happens when you have sycophants. A sycophant. And people aren't willing to say, uh, whoa, hey, uh, you're pushing the boundary there. <laughs> oh. When all you've got are yes men. A sycophant is a yes man. A fake friend. Yeah, sycophant, you basically kiss your ass for everything, but they can get from you and tell you everything you want to hear. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why life is hard. Because otherwise life would be its own version of a sycophant if you could just move through it like a dream, creating whatever you need. Keeps the order. If you read throughout... (laughs) Everybody's trying to keep that dominance, including fucking angels and physics. But it works if it's all within balance. And it's funny, you've mentioned angels. Um... Because, you know, when you go through the five books of Moses, yeah, Pentecost, whatever you'd like to call it, um, not only do none of the prophets want to be prophets, God has to push them into it, but the movers and the shakers generally fall back on God and they're going, hey, am I doing it right? Is this, really, is this what you wanted? Mm. And, you mm. know, so they're always able to fall back on That sounds like little Richard. always yes. be able to, someone who's always there to, to reflect the, the honesty, the real, the reality of you and, and the world back to you, not distort it 
so that you don't so that you look at it and you feel diminished or you look at it and you feel like you're just all that and a bag of chips in the psi operations of particles flying through the library landing on some sort of point while you were describing this if you're a mover and a shaker you sometimes are you you the best ones do fall back and ask am i doing it right they have 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 a wise man or or because you want to reflect reality back can, in accordance will, to how yeah. it is reverberating. Right. In accordance, in, uh, in the psi operation of hearing that point, there was the little spider about the size of my large tooth uh-huh. that was silver and it flew on its cord above at my eye line coming by. Uh-huh. It was a nice like kind of floating diamond moment seeing it crinkle its legs and just kind of take its cruise down to the typewriter. Reflect well, the order of life You're handling that back. a lot better than I would. <laughs> I saw something on YouTube this morning that would have flipped me out. Yeah. Woman says, uh, Huntsman spiders just hatched in my daughter's room. And so she walks in and she's filming. She says, look at this corner. There's like maybe 50 of them here, but look at this corner. And she goes over here like this. Hands it over. And over in that corner, it's like black with baby huntsman spiders. Now, I can't speak to how big a baby huntsman spider is. Yeah. But... My partner's coming. What is huntsman? A huntsman spider is an Australian spider. And it's, is it vicious? It just... Well, a large huntsman spider was found to be eating a dwarf, which is, say, a three or four inch uh, in length, um, a possum. Oh my god, this is why we can't go miniature in the future and survive <laughs> off of blackberries, because we'll have to contend with the insect world. We will enter into our own King well, Kong and Godzilla paradise. Can you paradigm. can you imagine how many people a good sized garden snail would feed? Mm mm mm. We'd have them in barbecues. We would learn how to cook up a garden snail pretty good. Oh, right? I think we do that pretty good as it is. We we got it down. Oh, we have escargot. Yeah, I'm yeah. just talking about if we, if we were five inches tall, we'd be having escargot steaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> escargot hamburger. All right, I have this word from back when of the when insects uh, dorsal fin. It's a metanomen, M-E-T-A-N-O-T-U-M. The dorsal surface of the metharox of an insect. Metanomen, an insect's dorsal fin. But it it doesn't it goes all the way down to metaphor, which I fucking really like the definition of me- metaphor in the sense of uh, of uh, move and change. A change of, of form, shape, structure, or substance, transformation, especially by magic or sorcery the form resulting from such change. A marked or complete change of character, appearance, condition. 
the physical transformation more or less sudden undergone by various animals during the development of any embryonic state in the pupa of the adult or tadpole to the frog. The development of plant organs and originally similar to mephorosology in different forms as a result of adaptation to function, the change of form constantly going through in living cells and tissues. Have a good ending for you. I think we're gonna put it away. Yeah. Okay. See you soon. Okay. Well, that looks cool. Yes, it was. The long and the short of that battle is that before we had radar, the Japanese realized the American fleet was where was where it happened to be, and so they came upon it in the dark. They lit it up with their spotlights. And then they lit it up with their guns. This is a book that was just returned with an incredible cover of battleships being sunk. It's like in an oil painting. It's called Savo, S-A-V-O. The incredible naval debacle off of Guadalcanal. Where is that? Guadalcanal. 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 Yeah. Um, How did this battle happen? Well, before um, before we had radar, I mean, we could radar could you know basically see a group of planes coming at you, but they hadn't yet really learned how to fit out ships with radar. And you have two fleets, that, and the Japanese fleet realizes where the American fleet is, and so they come up on them and they open up their spotlights, and they light them up with their spotlights, and then they lit them up with their big guns. And then they shut their lights off. And the Americans, thinking, oh, well, we're going to do the same thing, turned on their spots thereby lighting themselves up. And they got lit up by the Japanese big guns again. Oh, double whammy. Yeah. Double whammy. Yes. The survivors, many of, many of the uh, survivors were eaten by sharks. Um, this is a whole, this book is thick. How many pages is this? He just checked it out yesterday. Wait, he just finished this? He just checked it out yesterday. He's bringing it back today. Oh, man. This is 274 pages, full of an index. They did not let those who survived come back to the U continental U.S. for um, a couple of months because it was decided that we were not going to have any more battles with the Japanese like this until we had radar on ships. So they didn't let the survivors come back? Uh, no, they were kept at bases that were not in America. They were, they were kept on um, in foreign on foreign bases. Our bases on foreign land. Oh, they didn't want to move the boats because the they ocean. didn't want the story to hit the mainland. Oh, they just didn't want the word out. They just did not. Yeah, they. They don't they, want to talk about us losing the. So this is a hell of a battle. Yeah, and. Um, most of the people just got blasted out of their ships and spent the night in the ocean. Uh, and the, yeah, the survivors were the ones the sharks didn't eat or take a bite out of. Did this book interview people that went through it then? I didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> he did. It wasn't in the house long enough for me to read. I'm not all that interested. It's Admiral Gunichi Mikawa. Imperial Japanese Navy stood on the bridge of his flagship in the darkness of Savo Bay, spotted the enemy fleet, 
and gave the fateful order, all ships attack. It was early Sunday morning, August 9th, 1942, just eight months and two days after Pearl Harbor. Surely, thought the Admiral, the Americans would not be caught sleeping again, but asleep they were, and as a result, the U.S. Navy lost four heavy cruisers in 40 minutes at the hands of an inferior Japanese force. This was the shocking start of one of the most humiliating sea defeats of World War II, a defeat that all but undid the recent triumph at Midway and almost canceled out the effective landings at Guadalcanal and Tulagi 48 hours before. How did it happen? Who was responsible for the startling naval reverse just as our reconquest of the Pacific was getting underway? These questions and many others became part of a controversy that raged throughout the war and ultimately became the subject of the Hepburn Report, a naval inquiry that was never made public. In telling of the unbelievable snafu at Savo, Richard F. Newcomb has drawn on that report, interviewed Admiral Ramsey, who helped prepare it, studied the Naval War College analysis and talked with scores of survivors. Out of this scrupulous investigation has come this detailed, dramatic account of brass-level fumbling, confusion and timidity of stark omissions that made our ships sitting ducks for the Japanese and turned the peaceful waters of Salvo Bay into a scene straight from hell. Above all, Salvo is a deeply moving account of courage in the face of overwhelming odds. In his gripping, highly personal style, Mr. Newcomb describes the fate of a task force with no one in command and the grave miscalculations on a night that saw a thousand twenty-four men go to their deaths in what was ever after known as Iron Bottom Sound. He also recounts the incredible circumstances which forced our fleet back a thousand miles and left our marines in the Solomons without cover or supplies. Written by a gifted reporter who is also an authority on naval history, the story of Salvo is a landmark in the literature of World War II. The book contains an appendix listing the names of participating officers and ships, maps, and 16 pages of compelling photographs which illuminate the heartbreak and the horror that was the Battle of Salvo Island. Ironbound sounds. Yeah. Oh, and one of the, one of the really sad things is that um, they had just taken one of the bombs that would eventually be dropped on um, Japan out to the Solomon Islands. They'd sent them in two different ships under radio silence and then never revoked the radio silence. They sent a coded message that had been coded first in one code and then recoded while still in code into a second code that nobody could read. And if they'd gotten the if they had gotten the message, they might have been okay. But I don't know anything other than that. There was a warning sent, but it was triple coded, and that warning didn't alarm them. Um. 
or they were ready an, with some sort encrypted, of bomb. It was in, it was encrypted. The English was encrypted into encryption A. But some well-meaning it was a message of warning re-encrypted it into another so it had to be unencrypted from one into one in, into an, the, its first encryption then unencrypted from its first encryption into its english yeah and no one knew to do that so they could and what was the message i haven't read the book yet i wasn't there but I, as i get as i take if i understood the meaning correctly from my partner when he read it over the last 24 hours. I love that he did this. He went to this whole battle. It's so hot out. It's so hot. And he's in this like Atlantic Ocean battle that's being sunk into the nighttime with sharks eating people alive. Like, it's such an intense... Oh, he's reading it at 3 o'clock this morning. Oh, so he's doing it through the night with the sound of the river just bubbling through. And it's like, oh... Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and um. So the message could have been. Well, they could have got what they could have done was if they had gotten a message that said that after they'd finished this job they could go they could break radio silence they would have at least been able to request out for assistance. <laughs> oh no! They couldn't even ask for help. They were under um, orders of radio silence. They maintained this... radio silence through the attack, and. The encrypted message could have meant, yep, open it up or. Yep, it, it, it wow. would have meant. Well, now that you've dropped off this box, you can now speak freely. And what was the box they were dropping off? They didn't know what it was. They were dropping off a but they secret were dropping boss off to Sabo. A nuclear bomb that was meant to uh, in the Solomon Islands. It was meant to go to Japan. Meant to be dropped on Japan, if I understand correctly. This is so crazy. They didn't know they're dropping off a nuclear bomb. And no, they, you wouldn't want to tell you tell the crew what they were doing. I, <laughs> that would be. A, I wonder if they went down. With, did if they made it to Savo? Oh, they did. They drop. were. They they had dropped it off the Solomon Islands. They were on their return. If they'd gotten the doubly encrypted message, they would have learned they were no longer under radio silence. Wow. I, Is it possible to have death by stupidity? Yes. Yes, it is. Death by yes, stupidity. It's more <laughs> um, rigid. I believe. Rigidity. I believe that it's called the Darwin Awards. <laughs> but see, you also got to have a code. You got to. That's also could be called dying by the code. You know. That's true. Wow. I've always wondered what the result of sending messages that were doubly encoded might be and now I know <laughs> I've been trying to decipher doubly encoded messages as a psi operative a lot of things come in a triple quadruple maybe a whole DNA strand versus version of codes am I playing a game if the game is decoding messages that are left in clippings from newspapers and bulletin boards and just all these little poll numbers but are set in a pile on the sci-fi western shelf and then you pull that collection of papers and business cards and lay them out in an arrangement like a, a haphazard collage that came from dropping petals of paper onto a place and then you look into it for a meaning 
I'm playing that game. It's, there's a game where you, like Pokemon, you go to the, you hack your way into the sites. Like and po you're playing with the, it's by the same company, by Niantic. Oh, okay. And it's a very dark, it's a much darker game than I really want to play. It, it's much more, it's too paranoid for me because I would so get into it. Yeah, and well you so, get paranoid as a Psy operative too. I spent too many years looking over my shoulder. Yeah, because you need to sing. You need to sing. And you need to be secure to sing. Well, you know, childhoods often aren't, aren't um, you know, things happen. Sometimes yeah. your life gets unsafe. Sometimes there are people who stalk your family, you know. It can, and it really impacts how you grow up and the defenses that you build growing up. Yeah. You know, Kelly, sit down. Why don't you put your pack down? Take your jacket off. Um, and I'm there thinking, like, are you out of your mind? I might want to leave in a hurry. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm the closest one to the door, and if anything goes down in here, I'm gone. Yeah. And I'm taking everything I brought with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, set to jet. Set to jet. I like that, set to jet. Another one I like How is like, you? check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I ha have you heard of the three ands? The three ands, there, hard, uh, hard, fast, and often. The three ands. You can hit it with the three ands, hard, fast, and often. Huh. It's often. It's like how you get things done. You want to make sure it happens. You know, they say in football, hit them low, hit them hard, and if they get up, hit them again. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And they say that because football's a game, right? Yeah. But in real life, if you're going to take that tact with somebody, you want to hit them high, you want to hit them hard, and you want to be sure you don't have to hit them again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference between a game and making something happen. A game, that's the difference between a game and life in the concrete jungle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, what was her name? She did Total Eclipse of the Heart. And Pat on that Benatar? album. No, Pat Benatar did not do Total Eclipse of the Heart. <laughs> um, I know that song, Total Eclipse of the Heart. And I can even tell she's Welsh. Bonnie Tyler. Um, hit him strong, hit him hard, hit him fast. Bonnie Tyler. Um, it's a total eclipse of the heart. Yeah, she, uh, but she does a song called It's a Jungle Out There. It's and it's a on the album there. that Total Eclipse of the Heart is on. Yeah, yeah. It is a jungle out there. There's a lot of things singing, but there's also a lot of things that would just eat you if they could. Spiders would completely devour us if they could, if we were caught in their net. You never 
A house cat would eat your nose off if you were just laying there long enough. Oh, yeah, you lose your points. I mean, you lose your fingers, your ears, your uh, nose, lips, your toes if you're barefoot. Right. If the world is like this, it's like at some points, you do got to keep your backpack ready. You do have to be, like, proficient in your weapon array. What do you got? Nunchucks? Now, you got, like, a throwing star and a whip. I know at a point in life you used a whip. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. At some point in life you used a whip. Maybe it's not good. I'll plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not good to talk about the weapons we use. Not quite as efficient that way. Well, you've got to know exactly what you're doing with a single tail, with a bullet, before you even think about using it. You need to know exactly what you're doing with a and single tail. You need tail. to know exactly what it will do when you use it this way or that way, or if you, or not, you know. If you hit something with it, the it'll take and wrap. But every if every I had a twelve-foot bullwhip, every coil, every coil moves faster wood, and faster and on. faster. That's the spiral. Uh huh. But it would it could would for example pull the bones of the radius and the ulna together in your arm and break them. If someone would hit you with it, even if the blow itself didn't, just the whip wrapping the arm would be likely to do that. That's the power of a coiling spiral. That's the power of momentum set in a circle getting smaller and smaller. If you take it 12... That's why drive and focus will get you so far, hard, fast, and often. If you just keep spiraling it like a dervish. What's the accuracy of a whip? Depends on whose hands it's in. Yeah. Yeah, right, Vishnu. (laughs) (laughs) How much do you think you would need to know to be able to hit a book off, like hit a paperback off of the spiral racks? Well, that depends on how well you want it done. Do you want the book destroyed? Do you want the cover taken off? Do you want it just dinged? Do you want it just gently knocked off like a a whisper? You know, like someone coming up and... Blowing it off, yes. you know. I mean, yes. You know, anybody can ta- anybody can just take the, take a bullet and go whap and knock the entire bookshelf over. You know, these the stand the, the stand stand up spinning bookshelf thingies, the racks there that you know. Yo, yo. You know. I want to hit it and open it to page 103 and bring it back to me and read the sentence and then <laughs> oh, send a, it back around. Oh, that's a little around. bit hopeful, even for the best people. The odds are in our favor. And the sentence would say, it's not really the end of the world, it's the beginning of reality. And let's send it back to the rack spinning. Yeah. They are dangerous things. Dangerous toys. <laughs> that perception of being able to bring it up and whisper the book off the shelf... The bullwhip, then, is the musical instrument, like the level that you could get into with a clarinet, that you could whisper the clarinet off the shelf if you're sitting on a tree limb, and you could whisper insects into a chorus with you. Yeah. There's a couple I sentences that, that I just I messed that. up there. I just conjectured I get what you're a bit. It's like a finesse. 
that goes into it, that goes into the instrument, that the more f- finesse is in it, the more you're like able to integrate with it, the more you can get your breathing finer. That's why in the secret of the golden flower book, they're telling us to breathe finer and finer because if you can hear your breathe and the rhythm of it, it's too much. Like they're saying to get to the golden flower, you gotta disintegrate to the point that you're like kind of beyond transparent you're moving into things and if you could move into things then you could move into the clarinet and blow it at just the appropriate places and times you might be able to make things float you probably could at least open a book to a random page but what if what is random when the wind is cooperating with you How do you start cooperating with the wind? You well, just do exactly what it says. Yeah, there, there are just some toys that, that, that you really need to spend a lot of time practicing with somebody who is already a master, or oh. you're going to get hurt yourself or hurt yeah. somebody else. And yeah. Did you have somebody that taught you to sing? Sort of. I learned how to sing in choir, and then I started taking classical voice as an adult. Yeah. Was there something that brought you to, like you're on a plateau of of singing, that brought you to another another realm? Or have you been fine-tuning it as you went? There is, when you sing, there's a... It's almost as if there's a part of you that takes flight. Like a dragonfly? Well, yeah, dragonfly is very, would be a, um, for some people that would be, um, an animal that they would, that, that they would attach to taking flight from them when they sing. Um, Five dragonflies leave I was thinking of some small bird or... Mm-hmm. Little little finch or a, or a sparrow or something, yeah. a songbird. And multiple multiple songbirds kind of plume out from your mouth on each phrase as no it comes and goes. One of the pieces that I have recently discovered, there are two pieces that I've discovered that I really really like. One of them is, um, it's either Dinah or Diana Domrau, I believe doing Mozart's uh, Queen of Queen of the Night aria. Ooh, ooh. Um, and this is, it's peaceful sounding? I don't know this song. Oh no, it's basically a mother telling, telling her daughter that, um, <laughs> you go bring your father to tears and death or else you'll be abandoned by everyone. We won't, You'll be abandoned and alone forever. You won't be my daughter. You won't be my family. That's that's so, the ba- yeah. that's the basic basic. Yeah. Put that into your that. psyche. Put that into your insect exoskeleton and put it into your mode of operation for the rest of your life. If you don't do what, or your father will abandon no. all of us. No, no. If you, basically, she's supposed to position her father so he can be killed. 
Oh my God! If I'm if understanding the German, <laughs> uh, my understanding of German is, is not very good. But but, but 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 a little bit of understanding of German plus yeah. some of the English subtitles, which they often leave out, yeah. is correct. Then she's supposed to hurt her father, bring him to a position, or he, get him maneuver him, whether it's emotionally or physically, I'm not sure, yeah. to a position where he can be killed, or be abandoned forever and no longer her daughter and no longer her child and always alone and and but the opera the aria is just incredible and i'm you know watching this woman do it on stage in full costume and i'm just going whoa because they've because they've got her all in the dark, all in dark costuming with voluminous hair it's the mom singing it's the mother singing that, yes. And it's her... Daughter she's singing it to. Is she vicious or is she like... She's, I think, she, I think like that smooth. she's evil, but I don't know. I don't know the story of the magic flute. I'm going to have to spend some time now that I have discovered the aria and I'm so... I mean, that's fun. I can't do it, but that's the kind of thing I would consider fun if I had more time that I could spend with a vocal coach. Singing opera? Doing things like, um, like the Queen of the Night aria. Yes, that would yeah. be fun. That's tremendous fun no. to listen to. I can only imagine how much fun the singers have doing it. It would be so fun <laughs> to sing opera. It would be so fun. Singing opera in the library would be fantastic. It'd be even better. I wonder if you have the, uh, have the aria on... You must have the magic flute here. Yeah, let's check it. Let's look. The standard collection of classical music. I'll bring it down. Ah, you only have one standard collection of classical music? This is it. The world's greatest music. Mm. Symphonic classics, immortal composers. Oh my. Hmm, okay, so. Is there a uh, Beethoven, not Beethoven, not Chopin, the, uh, Mozart. Mozart, Symphony no, number 40 in G minor K, nope. Rachmaninoff. Where would you sing, uh, where would you sing opera? I would love to sing opera Opera is sung in, every, in almost every major city of the world. It's jungle um, music. You know, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, probably. New York, definitely. My uh, voice teacher used to fly to New York every so often to uh, um, audition. Wouldn't it feel so powerful to sing it amongst the Redwoods? The opera feels almost as if it could correspond with Redwoods. Anything we <laughs> want to depends. listen to? Um, nothing I actually recognize. I mean, there are lots of... I, I recognize... Well, I don't know Berlioz or Bizet or Borodin, but I know Brahms, Chopin, Debussy, Dukas, Dvorak, uh, Frank, Handel, Haydn, Liszt, Mendelssohn, Mozart, Rachmaninoff, Freddy Rossini. I'm really surprised because I do not see. Who was the name of the Frenchman who did the.
Another is um, the flower garden scene. But is it by Debussy? Where the girl goes out with her maid on the water and they find a wounded British officer and she falls in love. I think that's Debussy. It might be Debussy. I can't remember. She falls in love out on the she water. She falls in love with him and he's been wounded and so she and her she and her nurse her babysitter hide him in the garden and they're bringing him food and medicines and, and bandaging and, and wow. caring for him. She falls in love with him the whole Yeah. That's sweet. To the beauty? To fall in love over snacks and garden hedges in secret. Um, well, there's falling in love with the man that your father tried to kill from an army that your father's army is trying to repel. <laughs> yeah, that's Having to care true. for him in secret and then falling in love with him. Yeah, so I can't make your daddy too very happy or proud, can it? Yeah, yeah. Dad's got to get over being proud. That's something that isn't... Uh, it's not accepting of, of what's happening. Like, because dad being proud is not quite in line with uh, reflecting the world back as it is. Like the problem that Vishnu had where he wasn't cooperating with how life goes. No, that was Ravenu. Ravenu. I think. Um. Daddy not being proud is like... I mean, it's totally How up to just... How could you disgrace the house? Yeah, like all that stuff. See, geez, it gets any worse than that. Now you're talking about honor killing. So, dear. Yeah, yeah. People used to be so hardcore. People used to do honor killings. People still do honor killings. It would be so much more simple to do an honor killing as opposed to living with it and learning with it and accepting from the it guilt as it like transforms you and metamorphosizes you into a better version of yourself. Like accepting the pain and letting oh, it run through your chemicals. We're not good at accepting pain. Why are we not good at accepting pain? We, we resist because it or we, we don't at, roll with it? If we look at pain as merely just another sensation, um, we'd probably do a lot better than looking at it as the um, exact opposite of, of um, pleasure. I mean, pain and pleasure are not necessarily opposites. Um, pain is not necessarily bad and pleasure is not necessarily good. Uh, I don't think that mankind has really grasped that yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as important as noting the difference between fleeting and permanent. To notice the difference between fleeting and permanent, like what is around forever and what is just passing on by. That's like the same level of, you should understand that and you should also understand what pleasure is good and what goodness corrupts the part in pleasure that is uh, gonna fuck you over yeah um or the part of you that becomes addicted to it 
yeah, these are the Twilight Zones. These are the Twilight Zones that they're visiting that king that, what was his name? Our, uh, the king that made the pact, that got the boon to not be killed. Ravenu. Ravenu. I believe. Ravenu. The Twilight Zone is the places where you, you can't just really, get in or out. You know what's really sad is when they show you the definitive pictures from the Twilight Zone, like like the William Shatner picture of him looking up, up the window of the plane and seeing his creature tearing the wing apart, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you go, see it, know it, and then they show you, you know, another ten out of that same year, and you go, yep, saw that one, that one, that one too, yep, saw that one, I know that one. That guy who just wanted a time to read. All he wanted was to read. Saw that one. Yeah, I... Burgess Meredith. Yes, yes. Drops his glasses and steps on them. Uh, <laughs> that, I didn't see the whole episode, but my impression is he wanted to read and then the whole world ended and then he was left with just an empty amount of books everywhere. An endless amount of books and an endless amount of data and he could consume with his own time any place he wanted to and then his glasses shattered yeah and now it's uh, still all there but we can't access it yeah yeah we're so lucky to be on earth and be able to access all the data all the things that the planet is putting together to give us problems to keep learning and moving forward and expanding and like rippling through stuff did you see night of the comet night of the comet it was an early movie by Nicolas Cage. I fucking love Nicolas Cage, but I haven't seen Night of the Comet. I believe uh, that Nicolas Cage was one of the players and he was playing a bad, you know, your typical bad boy. And the comet goes by and, it, and everybody, that isn't, yeah. everybody that isn't housed in some kind of, you know, stainless steel, you know, building or is irradiated and dies. And it just goes, you have, the, you have the last four people on Earth, last five people on Earth, are the, are, uh, Silver, someone, the girl, what's her name, Silverbird? Is she blonde? Yeah. Gag me with a tractor. Um, Gag no. me with a tractor? <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> no, we're talking about the. T no, no, I. What does she look like? I'm what, confused what with Valley like? Girl and Night of the Comet, excuse me. But, um. Those were both turned out to be very, very good movies that had very, very interesting moral endings to them. Nicolas Cage make his way through the abandoned world? Well. Let's go back to Night of the Comet, the one I'm not sure, not, the one I'm not sure anymore about Nicolas Cage being in. But they find a child, and yeah. so the, two, the two people who are dating take on the kid, right? And then there's the younger sister, and um, so it's just like a abandoned her, empty world that then this new family. She finds is her high score is beaten by somebody new. Oh, her high score is in her video games. On her video you? games, right? Cause she's just going the into the arcade. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> gosh, everybody's dead. So you just go yeah. to the store, pick up a bag of quarters, and walk out, break into the machine. <laughs> yeah. Just go, rack up a thousand games, play them, 
Um, and her high score has been beaten. And then they see, then she sees someone fly by in like a Corvette, and uh, she takes off running, and she's going, <laughs> wait, 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 trying to wave him down, and uh, her older sister and the guy she, that she's dating have this little girl, and they're going, we don't even know this guy, come back here. It's like, oh, mom and dad all over again. You oh, know? mom and dad it's, all and over it's, again. It's literally, you know, about <laughs> the last five people, at least in this town. And, you know, how they're reverting to what their parents did when they probably said, oh, I'll never act like mom and dad. Uh-uh. Even in the end of the world, we end up becoming and our the, parents. Even in the end of the world, we, begin, we end up becoming our parents. Exactly. It's our ideas of what, like, keeps us safe. We keep passing on. We're in this, like, weird interface time where what keeps us safe is also up against having doors and police and like cars and order and like an idea of somewhat of a societal structure. You know, when I was a kid, I was taught never to drink out of anybody else's cup or soda can or eat with somebody else's silver or out of their plate because my parents grew up before and during a time that a vaccine for polio and measles and etc started becoming a thing yeah um, you had to grow up avoiding measles and mumps and mumps and rubella and polio and pertussis and uh, whooping cough which i'm not sure is different than pertussis um i have to look those things up but you know over the decades, when you see people pick cigarette butts up off the ground or out of an ashtray, and <laughs> totally, we, totally. my partner and I kind of got a kick out of noticing that the ashtrays were staying full until they were dumped because nobody was stealing the butts to smoke. No, I'm not laughing at anybody oh, who's like, so poor they have to. Oh, like but, we've gone back to this sense of discretion. But we have returned to yeah. Uh, Don't use a that sanitation lollipop. Sanitation as a discretion, as a as a point of discretion. Yes. Sanitation as a point of discretion. Yeah. And in the, yeah, and we in, miss it, and we're and shocked in by it. 1918, you know, we wore masks. Yeah. And you know, any masks, any vaxxers go back. You know, as far as about the 1600s, mm -hmm. you know, I mean... <laughs> what are the 1600 anti-vaxxers? That's when they were start when they were just learning that you could, um, that if you had cowpox, it made you considerably less likely to come down with smallpox. Oh, so they were giving people cowpox? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they would use, they'd find a cow with cowpox and they would take the fluids off of that, which are basically the pus yeah like blood cells if you want to be polite about it yeah and then then you know it, it just just dab a little pus they, on an open no, wound they, they, they would put take a needle and they would just da, 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 oh, they'd da, give you and, a and, and do cow, cow pox and do pus tattoo yeah basically my hand <laughs> what do you think that the nickel yeah. the diamond nickel size scar keloidal type scars on your grandfather's you know forearm was Oh, they would stay 
they did Mars. yeah they did that up through World War II I don't have one I'm one of the last I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm one of the youngest boomers and um, at some point they stopped inoculating us for smallpox we are spoiled this is why we are having so many problems getting people to agree to get a vaccine to save their frickin' life, or the life of their parents, or the life of their children. Because we're spoiled in think into thinking we don't need to take these precautions. We're spoiled into thinking that the world is not trying to assert dominance we over have, us. Yeah, actually we have not seen a deadly disease dropping people in the streets since 1918. Um, we're spoiled then, to think we're the dominant life form on the planet. Yeah, this is true. Godzilla and King Kong are coming. They're just coming in different sizes. They're just coming. They're, they're just coming in a different form. If you want to take something, you know, get fine, and you can take it like you take a clarinet. You can take it with finesse and be able to blow a book off the shelf if you're fine-tuned enough. And eventually, life will get fine-tuned enough. Well, it's interesting. So many of the homeless have said, no, no, I don't need the vaccine. We got stronger immune systems than y'all. Right, though, I'm kind of on that Hello? line of thought, though. Isn't the immune system get stronger through exposure? Well, the problem is that exposure to this disease is killing people. This isn't so different than when exposure to polio really fouled you up and stuck you in a, an iron lung for the rest of your life. At yeah. least those people got to live. Yeah, why aren't people just getting the vaccine? Right? Like, just to... I have very uncomplimentary things to say about that, so... I would rather not... <clears throat> <laughs> That's polite. But let's just say that there is this fellow in New York who has a chain of eateries who says that basically if you don't want to get the vaccine, go somewhere else to eat. You want to get the vaccine? Go get another job. Do you want to get the vaccine? <laughs> For all I care, you can go out and die somewhere. I mean, that's, that's paraphrased, but that's basically what he said. Totally. He I said it much, in a much classier way. But, you know, for all I care, you can go somewhere and die. But you're not going to eat here. And you're not going to work for me. Yeah, totally. Go get another job. Go, get some, go somewhere else and eat. You're not vaccinated, you don't get a job. Actually, I like that. Yeah. Because unfortunately... How do we thread the trust of science, though, and the trust of institutions? Because that's what it's coming up against in people, is we don't you have... the institutions the, of the Republican and the Democrat? The institutions of corporate media and the dissemination of information. Like, we do not have a system where we have trustworthy... Uh, we don't have trustworthy channels coming at us. The problem is the government's lied to us for a very long time. Totally. And so nobody trusts it. Nobody and trusts so scientists, Fox, too, because so they just Fox use News for comes bullshit. out and tells their own versions of lies, everybody wants to believe them because it's in opposition to the government, which everybody knows has been lying for decades and decades and decades, you know? Um, but I actually genuinely believe there are things going on that we don't need to know about things going on as far as population control or 
things going on in terms of like um, just government activities that I, don't I do need to believe be there are top secret activities. I do not believe that your government can be completely transparent. Oh yeah, definitely. To the people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it isn't in the. It is not in either the the best interests of government nor the people trying to demand it. Yeah, somebody's got to make a I call. I mean, what would you think if I told you that people were really scared during the uh, during the Cold War that you know it would happen during the school year while they were at work and their kids were at school and they were separated so the family couldn't be together, and the government had built you know bomb shelters in the earth, you know, in North and South Dakota, and, you know, they were going to house children underground for maybe, well, until they became adults after the Cold War became rather heated. I mean... They had kids already down there prepped and ready? Mm. Like the next generation was already underground awaiting the attack? I'm saying up. just suppose... Have you met any of... Are, are you one of these kids? No, no. I'm not, I'm not talking about Vault-Tec. I'm not talking about... Vault-Tec? Uh, Fallout. Uh, oh, Fallout. The game Fallout, yeah. Yeah. No, um... Yeah. Um... I mean, what, what would you think if you heard that? That... They were going to be, you know, that whatever teachers survived to get the kids into these fallout shelters would be the ones to care for them. Maybe for the next you know, kindergarten or the next, you know, 10 or 15 years. That's a heavy position to be not only a, 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 like a stand-in parent on a sudden attack, but also be in charge of multiple kids and their education while underground and on a limited resource supply. You're taking the shock of being an orphan and combining that with the sense of being buried alive and then adding on top of that the pressure of well, being they, the I'm sure only they hope for they humanity. Enough, I'm sure they would have stored away enough the hydrated goods to keep them for uh, at least a couple of years. But And what happens when one of them is a typical bad boy like Nicolas Cage? Nicholas Cage's character. Nicholas Cage himself, we can't speak to whether or not he is a bad boy because that would not be well looked upon. We don't know him. He doesn't have a reputation for riding a Harley with his hair slicked back in a leather jacket. Although I will admit that I really did like him in Lord of, in God of War. Lord of War? Warlord? Where, 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 he was selling, where he was selling weapons? What is Nicholas Cage as a typical bad boy? kind of always is, isn't he? I think he is a bad boy. I think we can say that him as the person is, because we've seen him be a bad boy in so many roles. Like, well, what, that's a crystal that's he runs... That's That's a crystal he runs his emotions through, though. He has that, that kernel of bad boy. Method acting is method acting. It's method acting. Yeah, so you're saying we need to see him in real life. We need to see him up against... What, what what does a bad boy do? A couple bad boys. I'm talking about you know, the the rebel, you know, um, helping out rebel without a cause. Dean, James Dean, who owned a car named Little Bastard, who died in that car because he was being irresponsibly stupid. The bad boy does what he wants because he wants to. The bad boy is not. Regardless of whether it is for the. To, regardless of whether it is to the detriment of society or not, 
Yeah, that's why he is bad. Because it's but, regardless of whether it's be detrimental for society. Look, the top three, two, the top three, five, ten percent of who have money are detrimental to society. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Society. Uh, five thirty. Really? You're fine. You're fine. Did you hear? Hear? That somebody used to work at one of the places. They made the vaccine. Uh oh. They didn't put something in that. They didn't put something on the label. So they, she's a whistleblower. Huh? That just came out yesterday. Was somebody? Things get missed all the time, and even the food you eat. So. Yeah, she said it's a bad thing. She just didn't talk about an ingredient that was left off the list that's um yeah bad for people like a liquid uh liquid something that does something to men and something oh like a a preservative of some kind or no some added icky stuff oh something to stop somebody from being like fertile or viral yeah, that one and something I mean, that's what, yeah. I think that I would trade I, my ability to have children to keep keep society going. <laughs> that's actually a huge trade, to have children is. versus society, because then you just have that I one generation. I may not generation. like society, but at least it's not going to be hung around my neck screaming for the next 18 years. <laughs> Society's around your neck screaming all the time. <laughs> no, because no, I, I guess can just put my back on and go out in the forest. Yeah, totally. With, uh, give it, give it. A three-finger salute, you know? Yeah, yeah. Society's not screaming around your neck all the time. It's what allows you to scream from your neck. It's what allows you to sing. A lot of times, society is what gives us the ability to just be birds in the jungle. Going back to just being able to yeah. sing because you're comfortable and to release it oh, and yeah. just let it go. Yeah, I love I, society for that. I love dresses. I love well, going I can't wait ice for, cream. I cannot wait for this whole COVID thing to be over so that I can go out on the mall and sing again. And just go sing. <laughs> And just go sing. You can sing now, right? I mean, I can sing now, but it's outdoors. You got space. You got the six feet. That's that's. I think that's probably safe. It's heavy, though. It comes with a, a tinge there of is, risk. It is, comes with a tinge of risk, and then it puts. There's a lot of responsibility there. Yeah, it, and then it's like you have to bring that then back with you and carry that in you that sense of of having taken that chance yeah yeah we've gotten used to uh it's funny um to take just take a, taking a step back to singing karaoke people would say they'd see me they'd see me sing at such much bar the night before or two weeks ago or whatever sing me something now you know most people and i even including me go oh like what but yeah, being just asked to sing. What I, yeah, what I did was I actually kind of put together about a half a dozen go-to songs. and then it, So it's just a matter of trying to decide between about six that I do all the time when someone says, hey, sing me a song. Ah, that's great. That's all you need is six songs, and then you're ready to, then you're ready to rip it. I mean, how many songs do most bands have when they're going on tour across the country? Um, a lot of them just roll with a set list. It depends. It, I would say uh, when I when I was working as a roadie, fifteen to twenty. Yeah, fifteen to twenty. Fifteen to twenty. Yeah. Well, then they'd have their uh, have have two or three set aside for a first, second, third encore, whatever. Fifteen to twenty versus two thousand. Two thousand sets are. 
2,000 people in the audience. That's pretty good odds. Well, let's see. Um, it's pretty good odds. They're pretty cramped together. There are tables you can sit out to drink at, but I believe that the Catalyst deck room is 1,100 plus. I don't think it's quite 1,200 according to the fire marshal. It's been a long time since I worked with the Catalyst. 1,100? I think so. I think so. I think it's like 1,100. Yeah. In the back room with, the, with that like six or eight foot, you know, um, I love that stage and that just feeling of that room. It's uh, it's like it's like a pit almost because it's tall with the two stories. It's not two stories, but with the balcony there, mm -hmm. and then the stage is high, like it's almost at your nose level when you're up there, and they're so they're playing their instruments and you're at their feet, like, but then they're just right there above you. And then what gets me is is they're like. Now they were at the at foot level there at about you know seven or eight feet above the audience, right? And so they'll they'll they'll, they'll stoop down, they'll reach down, and people will reach up, you know. Yeah, you know. to touch finger. And I can remember watching Joan Jett do that on a show I was working at at the Catalyst, and I was up on the balcony. Heck yeah. I was, and I'm I, you know I'm monitoring the the crowd because I I used to work security. And yeah. here I am doing the stage work here. I'm not doing security, but I'm doing the stage work. But there's a part of me that is always doing security. Yeah, there is. And I see yeah, her doing is. that, reaching down. And I'm, I just, I kind of flipped out. I'm going, oh my God, someone's going to grab her and yank her down from the, from the stage. So I'm, I'm beating feet down there and you know, getting out there just in case it happens because I know I'm going to have to Defend Joan Jett from. I'm gonna the, have to throw people the out of the pit. way so that so that someone can get her out of there. Yeah, I mean I'm certainly not gonna be alone, and I'm gonna be the smallest person there. But. <laughs> um, but Joan. for Joan Jett. I didn't roadie for Joan Jett. I worked as a stagehand. She was there the at the concert. Hand. She was a hand at the Catalyst, and then Joan Jett is, came and played. Um, Did she rock it out or what? Oh yeah. Um, See, I've been, I've worked Stone in San Francisco, I've worked the Concord Pavilion, I've worked, um, oh god, there's something in Palo Alto. Um, I think my favorite band to work with was Tito Puente. I really like those guys. Tito um, Puente? Tito, Tito Puente? Oh yeah, Latin Jazz. Oh, they were very good. Yeah, they were. They were really good. Stone what were they San like? Francisco, Stone in Palo Alto, and if, I've got to tell you, you, money, people love money. Yeah. They don't have a bad smell because of money. They have a bad smell because of their bad behavior. Whew. And I'm, I'm talking metaphorically here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't do shit when, it, when I see the owner of the Stone with a 16-year-old on his lap doing lines and, and shots of whiskey. What am I gonna do? You know? I gotta depend on this group of people for my pay. You know? Made wow. me sick. What does it smell made like? Made me then? sick, made me just big books. Books? Books? Yeah, this one. Nice, nice. Okay. You. you got any Oh checkouts? you got a tech reacher, huh? No, I'm gonna check out. I don't have a card. Yeah. And these are no card cards. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. We have book sales. Mm -hmm. We'll enter. 
Okay. Get a book and, hey, good to see you. When you when you came in, uh, a, a you know how those spike plants will have the wishes that come off like a dandelion and how it'll float through the sky. Mm-hmm. There was a dandelion that came in after you, as if uh-huh. that's yeah, as like it was, came in on 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 your um on your jet in stream. your wake. That's her story. That's cool. We'll put this with this, and we'll combine those two into an action. Of, Before of we're learning. done today, well, we've got seven minutes. <sighs> that was a good talk. That was intense. We talked about <laughs> we talked about uh, what it means to be safe and how you have to be ready to defend yourself and run and where those thoughts can come from like in an axiomatic way from like a, a, a part that's beyond your memory mm-hmm. we talked about the world being a jungle and it being a thing that you do need to interact it with that way because King Kong and our Godzilla are always fighting for dominance in this large scale or in this miniature scale well. like insects that if you put your finger next to them they rattle and hiss something coming from Africa like that Mm-hmm. We talked about Australian spiders growing in the top of your, oh, top of your, uh, uh, the top of your bedroom. Not yours, but or hatching and coming up. Well, and they noticed that it looks like somebody when they when they built the house they, they put up the sheetrock, but they didn't tape the sheetrock. That's what you get for not finishing a room. That's what you get for not finishing a room. Yeah, you need it sealed. <laughs> yeah, you need it sealed. Yeah, signed, sealed, and delivered. We talked about movers and shakers like Little Richard, people who fell back on the wise ones, who fell back on the ones that were the most connected to source so that they could know whether or not they're reverberating in an appropriate way. Because if you're echoing in the right way, you're gonna play off of other things around you. Because not everything's asserting dominance. Some of things are clarinets and some things are whips. And the more in tune you get with it and get with it being just the way the universe works, the better you are at it, the more powerful you are at it. It can be a weapon or it can be a, an instrument. It can be a weapon or it can be an instrument. We talked about bodings. Or tool. Or a duel. Or a tool. Or a tool. It can be a duel or a tool. No, uh, and it, it can be a weapon or it can be an instrument or tool, a thing you use. Yes, yes. <clears throat> Our personalities are going to be... For something other than... Than damage and mayhem. <laughs> For something other than damage and mayhem. We talked about the damage and mayhem that happened coming back from the island that you've dropped Sabu? off. The island of Savu. When you dropped off what you didn't even know was a nuclear weapon and you got a double encrypted secret message that then said. Nobody could read and no one had a clue what it meant. And all it might have said is hey, you can turn the radio on. Yeah. But because you are a person of exactitude and you follow the order of your system, you don't, even while you're getting attacked and being eaten by sharks all night long, you don't flip the switch and make the call. Nobody makes the call. We talk about the call that was made in Ohio or somewhere out in the middle of the country to build underground bunkers in the 50s or 60s and have a generation of kids living down there. Um, I'm just looking at a cat crossing the street. You don't usually see a lot of uh, loose animals out here. 
it's behind the car. Talk about Nicolas Cage being raised in a bunker of a nuclear fallout shelter. No, no, he was and just him being the was. ultimate bad boy. And how he gets uh, gets along with his uh, with his teachers in the bunker. Maybe we didn't talk about that, but no, uh, we were talking about how people who were in the metallic room or or even the semi-metallic room survived the night of the comet. A movie that I'm seeming to think he was in. I need to look that up, though. We talked about the. The ease that we're at, Al, that we were at, the ease against germs that we were at. As opposed to what our parents, well, my, my mother was born in 1930, 1926, my father was born, no, my mother was born in 32, my father was born in 36. And, you know, the stringencies they had to grow up with. No, you didn't share your can of Coke. No, you didn't eat out of somebody else's plate or say, oh, let me borrow your fork for a second because you could catch anything from chicken pox to cholera to measles to polio. Wow. And then we went all the way to the catalyst with Joan Jett putting her hand down just to be pulled into the, like, seeding, Oh, she didn't get pulled off, but I was, I was scared to death she was, and I was very, very worried that I was going to have to get physical with people to get her you're ready to save Joan Jett because you're ready to save yourself at any point because there's a part of you that's ready to go you got the hammer and it's ready to drop that's a good way to put it you're also ready to rock you're just not all the way ready to sing opera in the forest I have to swallow my laughter when when people threaten to kill me (laughs) wow that's a great line I have to swallow my laughter with people because, to kill me. Because what's going through my head is better men than you have tried and failed. Let me know how yes. it works for you. <laughs> yes. You know, that's, that's, that's the internal dialogue, and I'm going, okay, well, that won't be happening tonight. Um, you can take a number and stand in line like everybody else. I think you're going to be 49. This is the opera that you sing through the forest. <laughs> Better men have tried and failed. <laughs> oh, I don't sing opera. I'm not. I have I, my 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 classical training is not that complete to be able to do that. You don't sing opera, but, but you are schooled in the mechanics of circling energy from your spine up to the top of your head, to the plate of your mouth, down through your belly, and around. You have done it, and you know that some things make it more possible, like breathing and mm-hmm. dancing. And I asked if it can come through singing, and you said when you're singing, it sometimes feels like a bird coming out of your mouth. It's a it's, soaring it's, feeling. Yeah, it's a soaring feeling. It's it's like it's 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 like it's like water coming out. It's almost like a, like a fountain. It's funny you would say that. Um, one of the things that I've found really helpful when I've had to deal with pain yes, yes. is to imagine pain um, flowing out of me like water. Like what makes it hurt is that it's being dammed up and it, it's building up pressure and the pressure is what causes pain. So that's how I sometimes view pain. But in order to 
that's the proper you that's about the same kind of a mood that that uh, the queen of the night aria is in I'll tell you yeah you told me about the queen of the night aria where the mother is singing to her daughter telling her she needs to abandon she her need, father she, she needs to go further than that and yeah bring her father to to pain and death yes otherwise she will be without a home without a family and without a mother forever and abandoned by everyone forever forever is a long time forever definition of forever is actually until the end of time the definition i didn't know the definition of forever ends with time it's not that long Forever is. It's not as long as infinity. Like, it does no. end. Yes. It ends with time. Basically. And that sounds almost oversimplistic, but yeah, forever just means until the end. You know, the end, you know, running back to the, uh, the end. What is that, the end? Um, interestingly, for those who believe that there is a Satan and that Satan will rule, you know, the realm of fire and brimstone forever. Well, forever is not eternity. It is only until the end of time. The end of time and eternity are not the same thing. Know the difference between fleeting and the permanent. Yeah. And that keeps, that's come up several times in our conversation. Mm. It's like, no, I'm not taking my jacket up. No, I'm not putting my backpack down. No, I'm fine perching on the corner of your couch at the front door. Because anybody coming in is probably going to burst through and you're going to be in the middle of the room. And I'm going to slip out the front. Be ready to go. And be ready to go. <laughs> is it? possible that you are any kind of floating plant piece that's trailing behind something's jet stream is it possible that if we just adjust the scale of things that we're interacting with that you're being pulled along in the wake of something aren't we all yeah yeah, how do we know? You talked about know? something that's... You could almost ask the same question this way. So, am I the change wrought by the butterfly wing? Are you familiar with the, with, with the theory that a butterfly beats its wings in one place and you can have a revolution in Central America? Yeah. Or China, or... The butterfly wing can lead to the revolution. Yeah, just the, just something as simple as the beating of a, of a butterfly wing can, can spark the revolution and wherever. I'm not familiar enough with that to know how that happens, to be able to follow the trail of it, to be able to follow the cascading domino effect that led to that or the building and culminating. 
because it's probably all one story when you look back at it from it the is. revolution all the way to it's, the butterfly. It's a tenet also of time travel. If you traveled back in time, you might step on that caterpillar before it could become the butterfly, before it could flap its wings and cause the revolution and thereby change the entire future. That is how the butterfly affects it is because the butterfly affects everything. So if you change one part, then everything is, uh, is gonna be different. So it's not like a direct flapping. Here I'm with a whip trying to knock the book with a off of the shelf. It's, it's not that same type of accuracy. It's a dissipated accuracy that comes like a, a ripple just affecting everything like around it. Like throwing a pebble in a, in a pond. I'm so hard trying to be a rock just dropping into Santa Cruz. I'm so hard trying to be a rock just dropping into the pond of the library, of being uh, kind of as deep in it with it and as uh, well, surrounded by it. The ripples that go out, they meet the shore, and they come back in, and they meet ripples going out. Yo, know, a, a, a ripple within a wave. A you, ripple within a wave. I suppose you could say that. What is the problem with that, though? It's just a handy thing to remember that you drop in water like a stone, you're going to create ripples that go all the way to the shore. But impacting the shore creates ripples coming back, which Uh, will meet ripples that are still being created from the center, which are still going to the shore. Yes. See, I wanted you as a researcher for the Psy operations the SCI, where you're looking for the communication from uh, an undifferentiated field of intelligence coming into our reality. I wanted you as the intelligence officer, the one that's kind of like analyzing and collecting the data. And I just had like an intuition. I was just like, I think that Ariel Grace Dragon will be good at this. And you are, because here I am thinking and doing for like the past week, I've been at first a rock and then I became a boulder in each interaction and kind of time frame of the day and dropped into it to be uh, deep in it and not affected by my head and what I'm bringing in my ideas of where I'm personally at, but to be a rock boulder dropped into what's going on. And then I've just been picturing it as these ripples coming out. Foolish, hardly me, not thinking about, of course, the finer tune part that the ripples come back ripples come back they can what did you think about the butterfly wing and uh, and affecting it like in the sense of trying to get ahead of whatever jet stream you're following like can we become aware of the butterfly wing that we're stepping on I don't know if we have the capacity to properly grasp and understand the tiny things that we do which may change, which may have a, bit, have a, have a greater effect, you know, in a town, I mean, in a town, yeah, the so, tiny well, things we do that example, have a greater effect you know, in a town, of course, measure it here. A guy runs somebody off the road without 
and and doesn't stop. He doesn't realize well someone dies, for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now you have people who are are hurt or harmed by it. You've got law enforcement now looking for him, and he has no clue they're looking for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think that there are things in our lives that there are definitely things in our lives we 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 blithely go through life, and hopefully we're careful enough that we're not causing inadvertent tragedy but even the most innocent of uh, mm. of behaviors of acts can set off a a whole chain of reacts or a, a whole chain of reactions that you know each building on the one before it eventually could become something very sinister or something really joyful. Even the most innocent can become the most sinister and probably just as likely become the most joyful. Oh, it makes me want to cry. Surely if the, all this was revealed, if the spider web connecting of how this transition from innocent to corrupt no i can follow that one from innocent to joyful i guess if the web was just revealed all at once we probably couldn't handle it maybe we could though maybe that's just what emotions are maybe we're handling all the time we're just feeling it all happen as opposed to being uh like logically aware of it happening and being able to label it or tell the story of it think that people have a hard night hard enough time staying on track and in their own lane and getting done what they need to get done and abiding by you know the law of the land whether it's God's law or man's law or both to really properly grasp everything that is out there. I believe that's one of the reasons why we have monasteries in various faiths. You know, we might have a Buddhist monastery. We might have a Catholic monastery. You know, these are people who withdraw from society and they spend that time being contemplative of a particular thing to understand it better. And I think that there's a place for every kind of thing that needs study, but I don't think that the human animal, assuming the human animal is the most intelligent animal on the planet, which I'm unconvinced, I don't believe that the human animal can grasp everything. I think it needs speciality, it needs focus, and when we bring all of our parts together with their specialities, that's when you have renaissance. Yeah, yes, yeah. When we're not destroying each other, we get a renaissance. When we bring our specialities together. Yeah, when we're not destroying each other's bubonic plague, but we're having a renaissance. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, 
that was the strength of America was that it brought everybody's specialities together and then it gave it a hot zone with lots of milkshakes and whiskey to like get it kicking and we started leading the world in culture and art because it was the place that the human spirit could flourish the most I don't know that we lead the world in how is it you put it what in art culture and art culture and art yeah I don't know that we lead the world in culture and art um, and for one thing the culture that we do possess is cobbled together from hundreds of other cultures that's what that's the speciality of it is it's bringing everything in the speciality is that it's is the place where it's all accepted and uh, but it isn't yeah, totally. It's. It is though. It it isn't, and it is. Like it is. It's not. I I I don't have the words for it. Like it's not completely just transparently everything's accepted, but the board is pretty open. I hear what you're saying. I'm suggesting that the culture of Vienna, the culture of uh, you know, Great Britain, the Germanic culture, even French culture, what are, what are they at? They're at the 16th uh, Republic. Um, wow. That they've had these, all these centuries to distill down who and what they are and what comprises art and what doesn't to and what is culture down. and what isn't and yes you know we don't really have that in the United States yes yes they're distilled they're fine-tuned they've taken what they are turned into vapor and then drink in what dropped from the vapor and then took that drink and distilled it again and then drank it and distilled it again and then probably along the way kind of got hardened like some sort of mineral or some sort of ruby and then melted that or the culture gelled the culture gelled the culture gelled yeah but that's why they're not uh they're not the leaders of it they're not new they're not fresh they're not and, the and they're they not the boiling cauldron and, of possibilities and that's what we got going on here and also another thing to remember is that America is made up of the dregs of other co countries that other countries just didn't want to deal with. All the better Religions, to um, political differences, a whole slew of things. Yeah, yeah. You know? We are the bad boys and the uh, orphans of the world. We are the like the, the muckrakers. It's not necessarily a good thing to be. It's not necessarily a good thing to be at first, but because God is inside of everything, it germinates, and it is definitely a fertile ground to germinate some wild plants from. But along the way, too, we get a bunch of thorns and fucking assholeish behavior and a lot of, like, domineering, like, all our the bad parts that this has made has yeah. probably come out of that. I don't know, though. Listen, we uh, probably ought to start closing up and... Yeah. Want some help closing windows and stuff? Uh, no, I'm gonna be a few more minutes.
a few four minutes, a few more minutes in August 3rd, August 3rd, in a free-form American summer. Summer in your hands, summer in the band, summer in the free-form American summer, three. Summer in the band with little Richard making love with the concrete laws of the universe. A summer in your hand, a falling back on what is right, the way light energy can neither be created or destroyed. American jungles a-boiling, a simmering cauldron of ingredients mixing the bubble burst and burp across this great land that hold murderers second hand and conquests and highway moths and it's is this all the best that man has to offer and in my mind i agree and out my mouth i can't say the way conquest combines with liberty i suppose i believe in the pledge of allegiance with liberty and justice for all it's not happening, but that's the ideal. So, yet soon ideals become espionage and corruption. America is doing its best to be a safe place to sing. August 3rd in this small town with the river and the liberty. In God we trust. That's the freedom of America.